Chapter Fifteen of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Fifteen Echoes from the City. Sally Kingsbury, unused to psychological analysis, could not have explained why Mr. Hunt was so objectionable to her. He was no relative of the family, she had discovered that and accustomed as she was to the old-fashioned gentility of a thrifty new england town instinct told her that he could not possibly be one of its varied products he might have come from anywhere he talked so little that he was suspicious on that ground alone and when he did speak there was no accent at all that sally could lay hold of useful as he was just now in taking care of that poor young man upstairs he nevertheless inspired in her breast a most unholy irritation her attitude was that of a housemaid pursuing the cat with the broom mr hand was not greatly troubled by sally's tendency to sweep him out of the way but whenever he took any notice of her he was more than a match for her on the afternoon following agatha's visit to mrs stoddard he appeared to show some slight objection to being treated like the cat he ate his luncheon in the kitchen a large delightful room while alec van camp stayed with james hand was stirring broth over the stove now and then giving a sharp eye to sally's preparation of her new mistress's luncheon you haven't put any salt or pepper on mademoiselle's tray sally said he as the maid was about to start upstairs miss sally i should prefer mr hand she requested in a mournful tone of resignation and miss redmond don't take any pepper on her eggs i watched her yesterday well she may want some to-day just the same insisted mr hand in a lordly manner putting a thin silver boat filled with salt and a cheap pink glass pepper shaker side by side on the tray sally brushed hand away in disgust that doesn't go with the best silver salt cellar that's the kitchen pepper and you can say miss sally if you please no just sally if you please i've taken a great fancy to you sally and i don't like to be so formal argued hand besides i like your name and i'll carry the tray to the top of the stairs for you if you'll be good i wouldn't trouble you for the world mr hand she tossed back you'd stumble and break parson thayer's best china that i've washed for seventeen years and only broke the handle of one cup she wouldn't drink her coffee this morning out of the second best cups went to the buttery before breakfast and picked out one of the best set and poured herself a cup she said it was inspiring but i call it wasteful and me with extra work all day sally disappeared leaving a dribbling trail of good-natured complaint behind her mr hand continued making broth at which he was as expert as he was at the lever of or the launch engine he strained and seasoned and regarded two floating islands of oily substance with disapproval while he was working sally joined him again at the stove her important and injured manner all to the front says she'll take another egg she explained only took one yesterday and then i had two all cooked what did i tell you jeered hand you didn't tell me anything about eggs 
not that i recollect sally replied tartly well the principle's the same asserted hand after a moment his countenance assumed a crafty and jocose expression which would have put even sally on her guard if she had looked up in time to see it you won't have so much extra work when mademoiselle's maid arrives he said slyly she'll wait on mademoiselle and attend to her tray when she wants one and you won't have to do anything for mademoiselle at all sally became slowly transfixed in a spread-eagle attitude with the half of a thin white eggshell held up in each hand a maid when's she coming ought to be here now she's had time enough but women never can get round without wasting a lot of time sally's glance must have brought him to his senses for he added hastily city women i mean hm. she won't touch parson thayer's china not if i know myself sally disappeared with miss redmond's second egg when she returned she delivered a message to the effect that miss redmond wished to see mr hammond when he had finished his luncheon he was off instantly calling watch that broth sally it was a different hand however who entered miss redmond's room a moment later his half-impudent manner changed to distant respect tinged with a sort of personal adoration agatha felt it though it was too tangible to be taken notice of either for rebuke or reward agatha was sitting in a rocking-chair by the window sipping her tea out of the best teacup her tray on a stand in front of her she looked excited and flushed but her eyes were tired can i do anything for you mademoiselle hand inquired courteously yes please answered agatha and paused a moment as if to recall her thoughts in order hand was very presentable in negligee shirt which sally must have washed while he was asleep he was one of those people who look best in their working or sporting clothes ruddy clean and strong he would have dwindled absolutely into the commonplace in sunday clothes if he was ever so rash as to have any i wish to talk with you a little said agatha we haven't had much opportunity of talking so far and perhaps it is time that we understand each other a little better as mademoiselle wishes conceded hand in the first place agatha went on i must tell you that mrs stoddard is coming to help nurse mr hambleton you have been very good to stay with us so long and if you will stay on i shall be glad but dr thayer thinks you should have help and so do i especially for the next few days that is entirely agreeable to me mademoiselle will you tell me what remuneration you were receiving as chauffeur pardon me but that is unnecessary mademoiselle if you will allow me to stay here either taking care of mr hambleton or in any outdoor work for a week or as long as you may need me i shall consider myself repaid i was wondering agatha was silent while she buttered a last bit of toast hans reticence and evident secretiveness were baffling she had no intention of letting the point of wages go by in the way haunt indicated but after deliberation she dropped it for the moment in order to take up another matter i was wondering she began again how you happened to escape from the jeanne d'arc alone in a rowboat and what your connection with monsieur chatelard was will you tell me 
a perfectly vacant look came into hunt's face he might have been deaf and dumb at last agatha began again i am grateful exceedingly grateful mr hand for all that you have done for us since this catastrophe but i can't have any mystery about people that is absurd did you leave the jeanne d'arc when the others did when i fell into the water this time hand consented to answer no mademoiselle i did not know you had fallen into the water until i brought you ashore in the morning then how did you get off well it was rather queer the men were all tired out working at the pumps and monsieur chatelard ordered a seaman named bazinet and me to relieve two of them he said he would call us when the boats were lowered as the yacht was then getting pretty shaky bazinet and i worked a long time and when finally we got on deck thinking the jeanne d'arc was nearly done for the boats had put off we heard someone shouting and bazinet got frightened and jumped for the boat he thought they'd wait for him it was too dark for me to see whether he made it or not i stayed on the yacht for some time not knowing anything better to do hand allowed himself a faint smile and at last after a hunt i found that extra boat stowed away aft it was very small and it leaked probably that was why they did not think of using it but it was better than nothing i found some putty and a tin bucket and got food and a lot of other things though the boat filled so fast that i had to throw most everything out but i got ashore as you know i didn't even wait to see the last of the jeanne d'arc agatha's eyes shone han's story was perfectly simple and plausible but the other question was even more important she hesitated before repeating it however and rewarded han's unusual frankness with a grateful look that was a night of experience for us all she said with a little sigh at the memory of it but tell me agatha looked up squarely at hunt only to encounter his deaf and dumb expression if you will excuse me mademoiselle said hunt deferentially i think mr hambleton's broth is burning ah well very well said agatha and in spite of herself she smiled hunt found mrs stoddard installed in james hambleton's room dr thayer and alec had gone both leaving word that they would return before night mrs stoddard had smoothed james bed folded down the sheet with exactness noted her brother's directions for treatment and sat reading her bible by the window mr hand stood for a moment silently regarding first the patient then his nurse by the grace of god he will pull through i firmly believe ejaculated mrs stoddard as the first words came in that resonant deep voice hand thought that the new nurse was swearing though presently he changed his mind yes ma'am he replied with unwonted meekness then i'll sleep an hour or two if that is agreeable to you ma'am perfectly heartily responded mrs stoddard and mr hand disappeared like the mist before the sun it was to be an afternoon of excitement after all though agatha thought that she would apply herself to the straightening out of much necessary business but after an hour's work over letters at parson thayer's desk there occurred an ebullition below which could be nothing less than the arrival of lizzie agatha's maid with sundry articles of luggage 
she was a small-minded but efficient city girl clever enough to keep her job by making herself useful and sophisticated to the point of indecency no woman ought ever to have known so much as lizzie knew agatha was to hear how she had been relieved by the telegram several days before how she had nearly killed herself packing in such haste how she thought she was travelling to the ends of the earth coming thus to a region she had never heard of before big simon who had been instructed to watch for lizzie and bring her and her baggage out presently arrived with the trunks having sent the maid on ahead in the buggy with his son big simon positively declined to carry the two trunks to the second floor saying he thought they'd like it just as well or better if he left them in the hall downstairs lizzie was angrily hesitating whether to argue with him or use the persuasion of one of her mistress's silver coins when agatha interfered and saved her from making the mistake of her life it is doubtful if she could have lived in ilium after having been guilty of tipping one of its foremost citizens and even if she had she would not have got the trunks taken upstairs the prospect of discarding sally kingsbury's makeshifts and wearing a dress which belonged to her had more comfort in it than agatha had ever believed possible and the reality was even better she made a toilet for the first time in many days with her accustomed accessories dressed herself in a white wool gown and felt better are these the relatives you were visiting miss redmond inquired lizzie eaten up with curiosity which was her mortal weakness agatha paused struck with the form of the maid's question but knowing her liking for items of news she answered cautiously not relatives exactly the thayers were old friends of my mother lizzie shook out a skirt and hung it in a wardrobe in the far corner of the room she was bursting to know everything about miss redmond's sudden journey but knew better than to appear anxious the message at the hotel was so indefinite that i didn't know at all what i should do after the excitement quieted down a little i went out to visit my cousin hattie in the bronx what sort of excitement oh newspaper men and the manager and herr weimar of the orchestra and a lot of other people who came wanting to see you immediately they seemed to think i was hiding you somewhere agatha smiled she could imagine lizzie in her new-fledged importance talking to all those people you spoke of a message ventured agatha yes the one you sent the day you left miss redmond the hotel clerk said you had suddenly left town on a visit to a sick relative oh yes lizzie's quick scent was already on the trail of a mystery but agatha was in no mood just then to give her any version of the events of that monday afternoon was there any other message miss redmond some word for me which the clerk forgot to deliver no nothing else mr straker came tuesday morning with some contracts for you to sign he said that you had an appointment with him and he was nearly crazy when he found you had gone away without leaving your address agatha smiled more and more broadly to lizzie's disgust but she could not help it i don't doubt he was disturbed did he come again come again miss redmond lizzie hung a blue silk coat over its hanger held it carefully up to the light 
and turned toward her mistress with the mien of a person who isn't to be bamboozled he came twice every day to see if i had any word from you and when i went to cousin hattie's he called me up on the phone every morning and evening most unreasonable mr straker was he said there wasn't a singer in town he could get to fill your engagements and he was losing a hundred dollars a day he's very much put out miss redmond well i was too said agatha but somehow her tone failed to satisfy the maid to agatha the thought of the dictatorial manager fluttering about new york in quest of a vanished singer well the picture had its humorous side it had its serious side too for agatha of course but for the moment she put off thinking about that lizzie however had borne the brunt of mr straker's vexation and in that lumber-box she called her mind she regarded the matter solely as her personal cue to come more prominently upon the stage then your accompanist came every morning as you had directed miss redmond and madame florio sent word a dozen times about those new gowns lizzie with the memory of her sudden importance almost took up the role of baffled innocence i declare miss redmond i didn't know what to do or say to those people the whole thing seemed so irregular with you not leaving any word of explanation with me that is true lizzie it was irregular and certainly very inconvenient and it is serious enough so far as breaking my engagements is concerned but the circumstances were very unusual and pressing someone else gave the message at the hotel and as you know i had no time even to get a satchel that's what i said when the reporters came that you were so worried about your sick relative that you did not wait for anything agatha groaned did did the papers have much to say about my leaving town they had columns miss redmond and some of them had your picture on the front page with an announcement of your elopement but mr straker contradicted that he told them he had heard from you and that you were at the bedside of a dying relative besides that miss redmond the difficulty in getting up an elopement story was the lack of a probable man your manager and your accompanist were both found and interviewed and there wasn't anybody else in new york except me who knew you your discretion miss redmond has always been remarkable agatha was suddenly tired of lizzie very well lizzie that will do you may go and get your own things unpacked we shan't return to new york for several days yet you've heard from mr straker of course miss redmond no but i have written to him explaining everything why oh nothing only when i sent him word that i had heard from you he said at first that he was coming here with me some business prevented him but he must have telegraphed maybe he has but it takes some time evidently for a hidden person to be discovered in ilion as soon as the words were off her lips agatha realized that she had made a slip one has to look sharp when talking to a sophisticated maid but were you hiding miss redmond lizzie artlessly inquired oh no lizzie don't be silly the telegram probably went wrong telegrams often do not when mr straker sends them proffered lizzie but if his telegrams have gone wrong you may count on his coming down here himself he is much worried over the rehearsals which begin early in the month he said 
and he got the full directions you sent me for coming here he would have them agatha knew her manager's pertinacity when once on the track of an object moreover the humor of the situation passed from her mind leaving only a vivid impression of the trouble and worry which were sure to follow such a serious breaking up of well-established plans she was rarely capricious even under vexation but she yielded to a caprice at this moment and one moreover that was very unjust toward her much-tried manager the thought of that man bursting in upon her in the home that had been the fastidious hercules thayers in the midst of her anxiety and sorrow over james hambleton was intolerable if mr straker should by any chance follow me here you must tell him that i cannot see him she said and departed leaving lizzie wrapped in righteous indignation well i never she exclaimed after her mistress had disappeared can't see him after coming all this way and into a country like this too where there's only one bathtub and you fill that from a pump in the yard End of chapter fifteen